Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. And on tonight's show, we're scanning for new stocks on the radar screen of our market 24-7 watches. Shaw's Adam Dawes wraps up the market today and reveals what new stock has taken his fancy. Berman Invest Julia Lee looks at the latest stock she's added to her fund. Tribeca's June Bay Lou tells us what stocks have impressed her following reporting season. And in the scariest months of all for stocks, September and October, the Switzer Report's Paul Rickard tells us what stocks could be interesting to buy if there is a significant sell-off. So without any further ado, let's catch up with Adam Dawes from Shaw & Partners. Well, to start the program off, I've got Adam Dawes from Shaw & Partners to give us a wrap on the market today and to reveal the stock that he likes um, nowadays uh, since the reporting season, the one that's come under his radar screen. Hi, Adam. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Peter. Yourself? Excellent, mate. What happened today on the market? Well, what an interesting day. We started out lower, it went higher, and then it pretty much finished evens or flat. So mm. I, I thought it was an interesting day as far as uh, being a market watcher. Uh, a lot of the bigger stocks uh, started to peter out a little bit. Resources did quite well. Uh, banks still under a bit of pressure. So I think it's still a mixed market. And I don't know if this market really knows where it wants to go. That sort of 6,000 level is, is, is going to be hard, and I think we're going to continue to do some work around that level until the election. Yeah, it seems to me that America seems more committed to rotate out of their tech stocks at, at times and they'll start buying their banks. Yeah. Today, today we did buy banks, but we don't seem to have the same commitment, commitment that the Americans have to rotation. What's your view? I think it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you've, you've got... And I think there's a big rotation that's going to continue to happen. And that rotation is definitely out of tech stocks. And potentially, you know, you can move into travel, you can move into the banks that are undervalued, and there's plenty of other stocks that have been somewhat hit pretty hard and haven't recovered yet. I think the banks as a whole are going to struggle and continue to struggle uh, because we now know that the, uh, the holiday, the, the, the mortgage holiday is now finishing this month. Mm. So we're going to start to, you know, officially it was it's finished, but the, the numbers have certainly been propped up a little bit. So I'm a little bit cautious of our banks, to be honest. I'm a little bit cautious on where our banks are going to go for the longer term. I haven't been a buyer of the banks over the last six weeks, even uh, probably even two months now. We haven't been buyers of it. And it's probably been the right thing to wait and watch, see how we go. Mm. And and it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Because the whole Victorian thing mm. can either be a disaster or could be better than expected. And, yeah. and I guess, you know, if uh, the Premier, Dan Andrews, had been a little bit more opening with his um, you know, reopening plans, the market would have been a bit more positive. But until we see how Victoria rebounds, we, we don't really know how bad the life will be for banks. Yeah, and, and it's all about how they're getting those uh, home loans that have been on holidays for the last six months now mm. to get them paying back again. Mm. So I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see those amounts that have been deferred for six months but then going back into a, a deferral or non-paying kind of home loan. And that number is going to be quite important for us going forward. Yeah. Now, Adam, there was a new buy now, pay later business all the way from New Zealand listing today. How'd they go? Yeah. How'd they go? Absolutely, exceptionally. Mm. Uh, it did very, very well, debut. Um, you know, it does say that, that, this, that it means that this sector is very, very hot. Mm. And continue to be hot. 
So uh, I, I'm a I'm a fan of the buy now pay later as as most uh, most people are. Hmm. So potentially the market might be getting a little bit saturated here. I think it's our seventh entrance hmm. into the uh, buy now pay later sector now, and there's more to come. So we've got one coming up as well. So I'd be a little bit cautious, and I want to see a business model before I'd start investing in that one. That one was called lay by, um, and and you say it had a pretty nice rise to that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't know the actual figure mm. on the close, but yeah, absolutely, it, it killed it. So okay, yeah. yeah. I guess the the bottom line is the more they come into the markets, that the benefit will actually be rendered to the merchant because ultimately they want their little tag out the front of the uh, the window when people go go shopping, yes. and that's where the competition could be, which could squeeze their profits. So the bigger one to diversifying into more markets like Afterpay. I guess Zip is is doing that as well. Yeah. They, they're going to be a little bit more protected in that sense. Yeah, they are, and they've got first mover advantage as well. And I think that's the key for a lot of these things is that first mover. Uh, and and you right, you see Zip and Afterpay on the window of every retail outlet. So mm. they're the ones that have they're the ones that have done so or have done quite well going forward. Mm. I think at the end of the day, it it is, and even PayPal's now come out and said that they're going to do four even payments. So mimicking exactly what Afterpay does, mm. but it will be those other retailers, and you know, it's getting on to the Amazons of the world. It's starting to you know moving online. Uh, it's, there's still a lot of space, and it's just not in retail. You can do it for hospital pills, you can do it for dentist pills. Yeah, I mean, you you can do it for anything. So the market is quite large, and um, retail is the first bit, but there's so many more things that they can do. Mm. And the irony is. It's going to encourage more spending at a time when the whole world needs more spending. Yes, we do. You're <laughs> right. But uh, even Matt Common came out today and said that he thinks uh, buy now, pay later looks like credit. So uh, he, there's a little bit of a dig yeah. uh, at, the, at, the, at the market share that they're taking. Yeah. yeah, that's right, for sure. All right, what's the stock that's come onto your radar screen lately? Yeah, so I've been looking at, and we just we touched on it before. It's a, sort of that sector rotation. We're certainly seeing, uh, and and it's now is the time to start looking at potentially, and and dare I say it, we have spoken about this before, but dare I say it, some of the travel stocks, because mm. the the rotation now that you're going to start to see from the, the high end um, buy now pay later e-commerce fintech, and there is this slow rotation out into potentially some of the travel stocks. Because the travel will open up. We've got time, so you, you know you don't have to do it tomorrow. Mm. But by the time travel's already up and running, those stocks have already moved and they will have moved for, uh, quicker. Mm. So I'm thinking mid-2021, we'll start to see that pick up. But I'm starting to get some clients set now and getting some good prices for some of these Webjets, Sydney airports and Qantas. Mm. We're getting some of those good, you know, potentially good stocks uh, to start putting into the portfolio for that rotation, that sector rotation coming in a couple of months, if not later. Well, one last thing before I finish. I've noticed in recent weeks, corporate travel has already taken off. But yeah. how's it doing it when there's no real business to be selling? How, how? Well, even even with Zoom, like, you know, we're not traveling. No one's traveling. Right. In, effect, in fact, I would have thought that that one was probably one that you wouldn't buy. Yeah. In fact, that all of the uh, executives aren't going to be going to Melbourne. They aren't going to be going overseas. They don't need to travel. But you're right, uh, it's amazing. It's probably one of those first mover advantages as well. It is a strong business, has yeah. a good, strong balance sheet. So potentially they're the ones that are going to move first and then the smaller ones or the weaker ones might move a little bit later. Adam Dawes, Sean Partners, thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Peter. Have a great day. Same to you.
This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Well, joining me each week as she does, Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Hi, Julia. Hi, Pete. How are you doing? Very good. Let's talk, look at the, the stocks that you've been adding to your fund recently. And obviously, after reporting season, is a good time to, to evaluate what looks good and what doesn't look good. So what, what new stocks have you added? Sure. Well, some new stocks we've added and uh, some old stocks we've added positions to. And I guess one of the ones where we've been adding positions is mineral resources. It has three different divisions, iron ore, mining services and lithium. Look, lithium isn't doing so well at the moment, but it is a growth lever for the future. But iron ore has been doing extremely well, both in terms of pricing as well as in terms of production increases. And look, today, today we got export numbers from China. China for the month of August. And in particular, iron ore saw its third highest record month. Mm. And the other two record months were June and July. So in the last three months, we've actually seen iron ore exports to China up by a huge 20% and up 11% in the month to date. So that continues to do well. And that bodes well for mineral resources, especially in terms of the iron ore division, which is really powering along mm. its business at the moment. It also has mining services where net profit was up by more than 50% in these results. So we've been adding to positions in mineral resources, given the momentum that we are seeing coming through from China at the moment. One new position that we've added to is Megaport. Now, Megaport's also in the area of data and cloud services, and it's what's called software-defined networks. What we're finding is that companies, um, as they need data, they're providing, they're actually using more than one data center. So not only do um, the companies need to talk to data centers, but often they're transferring data from one data center to another data center as well. So Megaport allows all of that through its software-defined networks. And I guess the good news there for companies is that they don't have to buy whole lots of hardware and they have the ability to use multiple cloud providers as well as being able to increase capacity ra rapidly when they need it. Mm. So look, mm. Megaport, it's in 128 cities already, 366 data centers, revenue was up by 65% in the last financial year. We think that revenue is going to be up another 50% this financial year. So uh, we like this one and we think that this has a this is a growth story with um, a few years mm. at least in front of it yeah. um, in terms of growth. Yeah. I know uh, last week, uh, I think Michael Wayne C liked the, the stock and- Oh, excellent. <laughs> and, and, but also uh, it, it had a bit of a, a challenge last week. So it, uh, it seemed to me that there may well be a buying opportunity at the moment too. 
We've been picking it up because we have seen a bit of weakness coming in in terms of its share price, but we still believe in the, the growth story of Megaport. I mean, the other one that we've picked up that's fairly new is uh, Net Wealth. It's been performing very well because of the disruption that we've been seeing in the wealth sector with a lot of advisors moving to being independent. Mm. Um, we think that this is going to continue on and it is going to continue to be a tailwind for the stock, but also with the end of grandfathered commissions. This is things like trailing commissions on investment products that get paid into perpetual uh, forever. Uh, until the person exits mm. that particular product uh, ending at the end of the year, we think that net wealth's in a good position to continue growing its business. One of the things that I really like about is this business is when I do road shows and talk to different financial advisors, one of the questions I ask is what platform do you use and what's your favorite platform? And the most common answer that I've received is net wealth. And I think that really reflects the investment that they make in technology. They're going to pick up another 30 stuff in the technology area to try and grow its platform. And they're looking at another mobile mm. offering at the moment. So look, not only is its uh, user base very happy and sticky, but once you have that sticky user base, you can introduce new products as well. well. Now, Julia, there's been a bit of uh, anti-tech um, developments in the US and they've come here as well. How, how do you as a professional fund manager look at this um, current distaste for tech stocks after them being so popular for so long? Yeah, no doubt that some of the tech companies, we are seeing them pushing pretty expensive valuations. But in terms of the whole sector, this is a sector that's showing strong amounts of growth in a world that has low or negative growth at the moment. So I still like this space. I think you do have to be selective in terms of the types of investments and valuations and be ready to trim when the, the price movement moves against you because there is, I guess, a bit of speculation happening in this space at the moment, which can be good news for the share price when it's going up, but bad news when everyone tries to find the exit points at the same time. So just managing risk is an important element of being in this sector. Okay, one last one. We, we saw the listing of a new buy now, pay later business in lay-by today. Um, and you've always been a big fan of Afterpay and to a lesser extent Zip. Is this uh, going to, the, the development of other companies coming in, is it going to really crowd the space and make it hard for the incumbents to do well? Or is the, the buy now, pay later space growing from those young people who started doing it to older people who are used to doing things like lay buys? Yeah, Pete, that's a really good question because no doubt Afterpay has had a phenomenal share price performance and we've been really happy with the share price performance. Our fund exited Afterpay on the 1st of September though um, and that's really because of the news of PayPal entering the market. It's a gigantic payments operator and of course US is where uh, Afterpay wants to grow and that's where PayPal will be offering the pay in fall installments option uh, in the last quarter of this calendar year. So we've actually exited Afterpay and I think if you look back on sectors that have come under pressure because of increasing competition that generally we see all players being impacted negatively. I mean think about the telecom sector where Telstra was the incumbent and we saw the smaller players coming in taking away market share. You saw margins being 
crimped. And look, Telstra, as a result, seeing its earnings coming under pressure and its share price coming under pressure as well. So I think the risk of rising competition is largest towards the biggest in this space. So I'd be watching Afterpay with a close eye. And sometimes when you are in this these frothy stocks, it is about moving quickly and just managing the risk. And do you hold Zip and have you sold Zip? Uh, we haven't held, held Zip and that's because we usually like to hold the best in the space, which we viewed as Afterpay. But Zipco will be joining the ASX 200 benchmark index on Friday. So um, interesting to see whether we do see a bit of support coming mm. through because it will be joining the benchmark index. And of course, some fund managers and exchange trader funds simply replicate the index. Exactly right. Julia Lee, thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, ten years and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Joining me now is June Bay Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners. Thanks for coming on the program, June Bay. It's always great to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, now I really haven't got any set questions, but I do have a couple of stocks I want to run by you because at the Hearts and Minds conference, you were a big fan of A2 Milk, and it copped a little bit this week. Is this a buying opportunity? Well, for me, it is. Um, I think this company has this amazing growth story um, over the next uh, five, three to five years. Um, right now, it's copped a little bit of a setback, mainly because uh, you know the stock has done so well in the last six months relative to some of the other companies. Um, and the earnings de delivered um, two expectations double-digit growth um, and hinted at another um, year of strong growth. So um, I think, you know, people are just using this opportunity to take some profit, but you know what? It provides a good buying opportunity. Okay, great. That's the first one. And then about two or three weeks later at another conference, you said you like Tyro and, and uh, since it's listed, Tyro has done very well. Do you still have a positive view on Tyro? In fact, I think Tyro is still my top um, top five um, recommended stock. Absolutely, I love Tyro. What's really great about Tyro at the moment, not only it is a growth stock, it gives investors exposure to, to growth companies, um, it also offers the exposure to reopening thematic, which yeah. currently um, many investors are searching for. Um, its earning was growing at double digit, really strong growth until COVID took place. Um, a lot of um, you know people aren't allowed to go to the restaurant and shops and so uh, hence since then Tyro's share price took a bit of hit but since has recovered uh, however we still believe there's a lot more to go as that reopening theme take place and as we truly move beyond um, you know the co coronavirus affected the world yeah and, I, and let's face it Victoria is about 22 percent of the Australian economy when the Victorians eventually get back to being normal at least coronavirus normal Tyro's um, machines will be um, singing, uh, well, well, ringing um, because people will be out spending. 
Absolutely. And that's the first thing we saw actually in many other states aside from Victoria is that the minute the lockdown gets lifted, those numbers just started flying. And in fact, if you look at the overall numbers um, from those uh, those registers that uh, uh, Tyro has, um, it's already moved into the positive territory, which is quite significant given, like you said, Victoria is still in lockdown. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you mentioned the magical word of five. Let's, let's hear about the other three. <laughs> I got plenty. Uh, in fact, I got like 20. But anyway, so let's go to the uh, the top ones. So Ramsey Healthcare is another one we like. It's very defensive. It earning was impacted of course by uh, the you know uh, the, the lockdown so um, you know the deferral of some of the elective surgery um, but however aside from Victoria every other state we've seen that huge comeback um, and a huge amount of uh, pent-up demand and then we are hearing the backlog of getting through some of those volume elective surgery is something like 12 to 18 months mm. um, and um, you know we think that company will uh, will, will display a v-shaped recovery um, quite quickly now we like Sydney airport yep. uh, look, should we go through it? yeah if we go for it go for it June back. look um, travel is tough at the moment look there's nothing going through airport at the moment nothing going through and uh, no one's flying anywhere but it's a premium asset it is a destination that um, you will always have people um, uh, you know coming to Australia and visit uh, using Sydney Airport as a, as a destination so um, you know premium assets very rare uh, quality asset trading at such a big discount to uh, its intrinsic value and uh, this you know coronavirus affected world has provided investor with this opportunity take a 12-month view when things do resume this company share price uh, could well double okay. now we also like um, you know, there's another company which is actually very interesting, a little bit time critical for investors too. Um, that's Center Group. Look, the company, um, clearly um, the shopping centers were mm. shut for a period of time, so earnings were very tough. Um, and Victoria is still in lockdown, so um, earning has been tough for the time being. But it is trading at 50% discount to its premium asset value, and that is significant. There may well be some structural issue of people shopping more online and the like, but still, it offers that um, you know catch up in terms of the valuation. And the company is rumored to be uh, needing to raise money quickly because there's no earning. And uh, as a retail investor, you should really get on the register and to be able to participate at a good discount um, to buy this company. Jim Lu, as always, delivered fantastically. Is there one last one you want to give us before you go? Yeah, uh, so one last uh, um, stock tip. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, uh, we, um, you know, we we are a believer of, um, you know, uh, in the material space. Um, you know, we quite like FMG. Now, I remember talking about this stock 12 months ago, yeah. and uh, back then we talked about how much we love it. Um, look, it's you know, it still offers really good cash flow, strong yield. Um, you know, in the world where uh, everyone's cutting dividend, this one delivered a, a five six percent yield just in one um, one go, and uh, we still see that cash to be very strong given where iron ore prices um, we think that's still pretty good buy okay one last issue then how worried are you that the chinese might keep playing hardball and maybe even take their arguments to the iron ore sector look i think that's a big risk um, at this point, we don't think it's um, you know it's a base case scenario yeah. simply because um, the whole reason for iron ore prices to be where it is now is because there's supply disruption out of Brazil and uh, South America. Um, Chinese can't 
get enough iron ore, they need to use it and they can't find enough of them. So um, there is a demand and um, it is well supplied by uh, the likes of uh, uh, Fortescue. Now, um, you know, if the political tension escalates, will create a fair bit of issue um, for most of the mining companies uh, simply because China is our largest trading partner. Chimbei Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, history shows that September and October are in fact the scariest months of the year for the stock market. And though I'm not expecting a big sell-off that you would expect after a period of boom and high interest rates. Certainly this market has rocketed ahead, particularly in the USA, and there could be a bit of a pullback, particularly ahead of the November election, the US election, um, where Donald Trump is clearly trying to hang on to his presidency. So if there is a bit of a sell-off, Paul Rickard's had a look at the stocks that might be worth buying on a dip. Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Look, first of all, a couple of areas I don't want to buy, and this is all, you know, it's all predicated on the idea there will be a bit of a dip. We've seen yeah. a couple of days of it. Uh, you know, we're going to, probably going to see some sector rotation if it continues. But uh, look, I'm not interested in uh, travel stocks, Peter. I think that uh, they're already pretty well fully pricing in the recovery uh, mm. and so forth. I'm not interested in retail stocks, Peter, because I think uh, they're going to that, you know, the They've spending, had a big run, haven't There's they? been so much spending, it, right. it's going to be a bit harder come uh, October. Yeah. And then I'm not so interested in the IT stocks, although I do like one, but mm -hmm. uh, I think that's where we might see some rotation out of. Okay, so let's run through. You've come up with five stocks worth thinking about. And the first one will shock a few people, AMP. Look, I've only put AMP in there, and I wouldn't have thought about this a week ago. No. So this has all come since... Uh, you know, the new chair at AMP, Deborah Hazelton, has decided to finally break up the company. I've always Which you've thought, been saying for a long time. Always thought that was going to be the likely outcome. Mm. And it's just a, a sum of the pieces valuation, Peter. When I look at uh, the, the, the money that AMP would get by selling AMP Bank and AMP Capital, plus there's a special dividend of 10 cents, plus there's some surplus capital. That comes to some And even the wealth management business could be sold And for even the wealth management business or parts of the platforms yeah. could be sold. Look, it comes to something a lot more than it's currently worth. It's, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, somewhere between, I think, about $1.75 and $2. Mm. But, uh, and what's look, it now? Look, it's around about $1.59, $1.60. But okay. look, so it's not a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of downside to it. Okay. So it's one of those sort of small speculative buys for uh, what I think is the inevitable, the breakup of AMP. Yeah. Let's go to the second one. That's A2 Milk. Look, a company that I really like, A2 Milk, it's been hit hard um, post its results. I guess for a couple of reasons. One, Peter, is that there's obviously the, the China concern. I think mm. that's a bit misplaced, A, because, you know, it is a New Zealand company. Yeah, it's not an Aussie company. <laughs> New Zealanders say they're different. But also, just the exposure to, you know, the uh, Diageo and others in terms of uh, how a lot of their um, uh, milk products are purchased or mm. their nutritional products are purchased. But they're increasingly... Uh, got a presence in, in mother and baby stores right throughout China, about almost 20,000 stores now. Look, it's growing at about 30%. The market likes the growth, but uh, it had run pretty hard into the results. I think there's value there. I think that's a company for the long term. Mm. Back the track record, I say, and uh, and not the market. Now. Okay, a company that we've always thought was good for the long term and has come off its highs is CSL. Yeah, another one to back for track record. Again, uh, look, it reported well. The market was a little disappointed with its outlook. Mm. But look, it's spending a lot more on, on R&D, which, which is expenses this year. Also some concerns around the uh, blood plasma collection in the US. But put both those things to one side. CSL has delivered year in, year out. 
got some upsides with the uh, COVID-19, one vaccine mm. trial, four treatment trials, so potential mm. upside. They're saying that uh, this Northern Hemisphere, the uh, influenza vaccine, vaccination business is going to be really strong uh, in, the, in the Northern Hemisphere. So, uh, look, I think there's upsides with CSL. It doesn't seem to want to go to much. Currency might be going against it, but uh, that's a company to buy in a dip. Okay, zero. Look, probably my favourite IT stock, I think yours too, Peter. Mm. The question about zero is not that it's a great company, has it been too expensive, right? Yeah, and, exactly uh, right. Analysts have got a valuation of about $75 on it. Um, I guess you could say it in, in the low 90s, it looks pretty steep. Um, and it's got to increasingly go out of Australia for, for growth because, uh, you know, it's pretty well saturated the Australasian market. So yeah. increasingly growth is coming out of the UK and the USA. Uh, surprisingly, you know, from the, the data that Zero says is that you might think, you know, everyone's on the cloud these days, a cloud accounting software would mm. be the go. In, in other parts of the world, they're still using packages. So I think lots of opportunity for zero. The question's been to me has been about the price. I think you, you've got to buy it when the market doesn't want it. If we do get a, a, some rotation out of IT stocks, yeah. this is a company look to buy. Maybe the low 80s is the area for zero. Okay, and finally, Lend-Lease. Yeah, another company I've been on my radar, Peter, I think um, Lend-Lease has got a really interesting business in terms of uh, backing uh, the global urbanisation theme. Now, you can say that post-COVID-19, is some of the trends toward urbanisation going to change? Because yeah. uh, yeah. if anything, it might be a little bit of concentration or movement away from the very concentrated CBDs more into the suburbs. But uh, Lendlease has identified about 14 or 15 what they des describe as sort of global, you know, uh, benchmark type cities that it, that it wants to back places like Boston and London and obviously Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. It's developing more in a sort of integrated development, uh, you know, which are communities, you know, a bit of residential, a bit of retail, yeah. or aged care, all in the one. I think they're doing interesting things, Peter. Now, it's mainly uh, as much as a development and construction company, it's also a financial company. It's got a big funds management business, got lots of partners. Nursing homes as well, haven't they? Yeah, look, age, certainly aged care and, and, and obviously now in development of, of uh, units to rent mm. seems to be part of the growth area. You, look, it's one to, to, to watch for a markdown. I think it's got an interesting, interesting future. Uh, a little bit more <clears> risk, of course, because how COVID-19 plays out and that sort of, um, you know, that that's decentralization theme i think mm. or the urbanization theme is going to be important but uh one to look for in the portfolios and if you want to uh, see more about what paul's talking about you can go and take a free trial for the switzer report just go to switzerreport.com.au i've written a piece today in case you're looking for dividend paying stocks some of the dividend paying stocks out there which have got a pretty good history also have some upside in terms of their capital gain potential. So have a look at switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us on the show. See you next week.